Folks, sports are back. Don't miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven, that's the number 77, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss any breaking news stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash 77 minutes in heaven, number 77, for 40% off an annual subscription. Basketball's back. On today's episode, we bring in Kelly Eco to talk about the Rockets-Mavericks game that's coming up Friday. Makes it a two-point game. There's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three over. Luka Magic! Take that with Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Tim Cato. I'm the Athletics beat writer for the Dallas Mavericks. We've got Dave Dufour, who is the Mavericks podcast co-host of all time. Always. I'm just the of all time. Of all Not time. the greatest. No no superlative yeah, whatsoever. Usually, <laughs> usually it's like greatest of all time. You know, yeah, yeah. Of, no, it's just of all time. Just the yeah. of all time. I Okay, fair. And speaking speaking of, of all time uh, guests, when we're talking about the Rockets, it's definitely got to be Kelly. What's up, Kelly? That's a li- lifestyle Hall of Famer, Kelly Eco. You know what I really miss most about uh, basketball season, Kelly? What? The drip. Oh, man. You know what's crazy about the drip? It's just been in my closet collecting uh-huh. dust for months. You got to take a take a page uh, from a man, Dave Schilling's book, and just dress up and hit us with pictures anyway. I think I'm going to do that for the, for the, for the Zoom. There well, you even go. Though they, even though they can't see me anymore, but I'm well, going to do that. Yeah, do it. We need we need more velvet. We need more velvet in our lives. (laughs) We don't always record with video on, but we just happened to today, and I'm very disappointed you don't have a turtleneck on right now. (laughs) Granted, you've got a you got a Man United jersey. Man United jersey. Yeah, yeah, I respect that, but uh, but you know, I guess I guess we can't win them all. Um, Kelly, famous famous for his uh for his game outfits. So, Uh, but unfortunately, we're here not to talk about game outfits. Um, I could probably go another five minutes. No, with fortunately, that. we're fortunately. fortunate. We have we have actual basketball to talk about, Tim. Okay, fine. Actual basketball. It's not like well, that's our we job. have actual basketball to preview. We don't even have games yet, <laughs> but we're close. I, you know, we're recording this Thursday afternoon, and we're a couple hours away from the first games coming back. And Kelly, you know, we we've been talking a lot about the matchup problems that that the Mavericks present to other teams. The Rockets are their own matchup problem. <laughs> yeah, um, even if you go back to the last game these two teams played, I think for Porzingis, who had a crazy game with 35 points. 35 points on 20 shots. Every yeah, player on the floor is a mismatch for him. Uh, I know we've heard about James Harden, you know, great defending in the post, and P.J. Tucker, you know, sturdy in the post. But, look, that game was kind of a, a misnomer because Luka didn't even play that game, and it was still a close game. Like, I, I worry for the Rockets if Porzingis and Luka can be on at the same time because everyone knows how historically great Dallas's offense was this season, and um, the Rockets' defense hasn't been that great. So I don't know. It's it's weird because it really <coughs> sets up this paradox, or or you know, it, it certainly it's a test of 
Carlisle and the way that he wants Porzingis to play. Right. And Porzingis and the way he played in New York. And it's going to be really easy for Porzingis to get a lot of post-ups. Uh, famously, the the type of play, the type of possession that, that Carlisle ranted against and said was not a good play. It's going to be very easy for Porzingis to get a lot of post-ups and then just turn around, face up over a player who is at most 6'7", because that is how tall the tallest rocket is that is going to be playing regular minutes, and then just shoot over them. But to do that, he's going to be shooting. He's still going to be shooting contested 15-footers. So it sets up this very interesting stylistic offensive philosophy debate um, that this, this game will about just how you should use Porzingis, about what makes the most sense for his offense within the scheme of the Mavericks' larger offensive system, and whether it does make sense for him to, you know, just be the tall person he is and shoot up over them. Uh, I, I know someone like Seth Partnow, who was on this podcast a few months ago, would say he should never do that. Um, that seems a little extreme to me, right? Um... Yeah, because if you think about it, it kind of re- takes me back to you know the Rockets Warriors days where you understand that Kevin Durant at some point is going to be on the low block. He wants to exploit Eric Gordon or you know PJ Tucker, but the Rockets kind of actually want you to play that way. If, if if they can force you to play out of the norm, it allows them to maybe force turnovers and get out in transition. So I think it's going to be interesting to see the balance that they strike between post-ups and their traditional, you know, picker offense. We're going to disagree on this, I think. Because, listen, Kevin Durant's one of the best post-up players ever if we're looking at points per possession in post-ups. Kristaps Porzingis is awful. I I mean... I, I, it's not a, it's not just a height thing. It's not like you can just turn around and shoot over <laughs> Robert Covington, right? Like it's the body part, and, and he's not going to be able to get good position on PJ Tucker. He's not going to be able to get good position no, on Covington. Not. He just doesn't have the strength in the hips. Like he's light in the ass, as we would say on you know basketball coaching. Like he's just too. He just that's not his game. Why would you you know Why would you want to go outside of your game plan that you know resulted in a historic like the greatest. Per 100 possessions offense in NBA history. Why go away from that? You're good at it. So, Dave, like, he I'm has, yelling at you, Tim. <laughs> I, I know, and I, I, I agree with you. And so, okay. this is All why right. this is so interesting. Um, uh-huh. I, I do think there's, like, Porzingis will post up some players. That is inevitable that that, that will happen. But how do you, how do you most exploit a 8-inch uh, height advantage? How about with the jump shot outside? Yeah. Right, like the thing about Porzingis, I mean, we and we've talked about this ad nauseum at this point, and, and you know he is a guard. If he was six two instead of six eleven or whatever he is, seven feet, uh, we would not say, you know what, they should post him up. It's only because he's tall, but he's bad at it. He's good on the perimeter. And when you consider that height advantage that he has over the Rockets, you know, the, again, they're going to play zero minutes outside of uh, garbage time with guys over 6'7". Uh, you know, what's really nice is a contested jump shot by a guy that's, you know, six or seven inches shorter than you. Yeah. Yeah. So take like 10 or 11 threes a game. That's what I want to see out of Porzingis. Kelly, how how is the offense, or I'm sorry, how has the defense been for the Rockets since this dramatic small ball shift? Uh, well, that's a good question. 
I will say that their biggest problem, regardless of playing small or not, has been transition defense. Um, they just don't get back fast enough. They either don't care about it or they're just lazy to get back. I don't know what it is. But against a team like Dallas, you can't give them easy offense. It's like it's it's a recipe for disaster. Everyone knows they're going to get killed on the glass. They're, they're already at a disadvantage there. But defensively, if they can't get back enough, this could be – you know, a blowout because over the last two, three years, Dallas has been a pretty tricky opponent for Houston. Like, they haven't figured out how to defend Luka because he's such a unique player and brings, you know, so many headaches to a coaching staff on how to game plan for him. But now, when you throw in Porzingis and you throw in Houston's ability to, or inability to, you know, snag offensive rebounds, give, they give too many teams second chance opportunities that they have a hard time defending, you know, points in the paint. I just don't. I just don't see any way Houston could win this game apart from, you know, just crazy Harden or rest game because it's just too many things to keep track of. And Dallas has been playing faster since Seth Curry entered the the starting lineup. It makes sense. Dwight Powell was a big man, um, and he wasn't, you know, weirdly, even though he's very athletic, he was not a particularly effective transition big man. Seth Curry is just another guard, another ball handler. You know, if, if the if the outlet goes to him, if he gets the rebound, that's just another way to quickly push it up the court. Dallas is still, I, I want to say, since since the since the Powell injury, they're, they're still outside of the top 10, I, I think. I, I would probably have to double check that. You know, they're definitely not the quickest team in the league, but they are faster, and that's significant. Um, and then just the, the Seth Curry addition to the lineup is, is, is obviously very, very significant. And, you know, frankly, I think that it's it's more likely that if you were to drop someone you know, if, if you wanted to put Maxi Kleba into the starting lineup, and, and this is going a little bit outside the Rockets game because you would not want to do it for the Rockets game, but if you were to drop someone in the starting lineup at this point, it'd be Finney Smith to put Clay, uh, you know, to put Kleber in there. Um, I feel like those are more like to like switches that you would make. Um, but but speaking of Maxi, like he's still like like Dave, you agree? Like he still has he just he just becomes a backup center, right? It, it, are the Rockets able to run him off the floor? Um, in this series, yeah, he he's the backup center. Um, I don't think so. In this game, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. In, in this game, I mean potential series, maybe. But yeah, in this game, yeah, he's the backup center. I don't think they can run him off the court. He's a good enough defender. There, there may be times where you want him out there and not Porzingis. I actually think we might see them play together against the Rockets. You know, why not? Why not counteract the the small ball with some tall ball? Both of those guys can stretch the floor. Uh, you know, you can you can run pick and roll with both of those guys. I, like, I actually think that they should con- at least consider starting Maxi. How how good Kelly have the Rockets been at making people play their small style? You know, since since this kind of dramatic shift over over the month and a half that we saw it, versus you know teams just saying, oh, we're going to play our center, we're going to play our seven feet guy. I obviously it depends on the player, and the Mavericks have two completely versatile modern big men which does help them a lot but you know overall do do teams tend to stick with their game plan or or do they end up going small just because they have to against you know the the, the fellow small ball that that houston's using um there are two games to me that stick out as games where i saw a team you know have to just on the fly number one was the game against the lakers which you know caught everybody but by surprise given the fact that the Lakers possess so much size, but after the Covington trade, 
I think halfway through the game, they kind of had to play smaller, you know, to match Houston's speed and, and size. But the Jazz game also, because, you know, going into that game, I figured Gobert was going to have a 30-30 game. You know, there was no one who I thought would stop him, but it was kind of strange to me. He was actually kind of played off the floor a little bit. And they put in, um, I'm blanking on the name right now, They're, uh, the backup big. It's a bit faster. Bradley. Like, Bradley, there we go. Um, they put him in the game to kind of cope with their speed and everything. So, in theory, you know, small ball isn't so much about playing fast and everything, but it's about skill. So, Dallas has two bigs that can space the floor, and Kleber and Porzingis, who theoretically would fit in a small ball lineup, you know, instead of a, a big seven-foot, slow-footed center. So, I do think that, to Dave's point, you, you could see Kleber and Porzingis on the floor because – as long as the floor is spaced, you know that's kind of all you need to match up with everything Houston is doing. It's a little bit of fastball because they can play with pace and some skill ball. And I don't think Porzingis or Maxi Kleba prohibit you from being able to hang with that. As a matter of fact, it may give you a little bit of advantage on the glass as evidenced by the rebounding disparity in their last matchup. Right. It was 52-37. That game involved some Cauley Stein action. Um, obviously not with Ooh. the bubble, but I, I don't think that's a you know, I I, th- I think that Porzingis and 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 Kleba together, you know, they they did use them together uh for at least a little bit, you know, just just going off the minutes. And so that's ha- having having multiple shooters at those positions, right? Like to to be able to play two guys that are that are taller than everyone that the Rockets are going to play who can both shoot like they're not giving up anything on the offensive end and you've got the size advantage on the other end I, I think that's that's kind of the key to the game that matchup and how Dallas handles being able to use their size I think is going to be the difference in this game Ke- Kelly we're going to get back to you but real quick Dave are there any other teams in the league that have that one two center duo as far as like being able to stretch the floor, yeah, just with, fully for versatile, like like fully two way shooting, shot blocking, uh, no tall guys, no. Like, I don't, we talk I don't think so, anyone has. It. We talk yeah. so much about these two players. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we've ever talked about it specifically in the context of just how you know both players are are so unique. Right. But I think that that having them both on the same roster is also you know, fully unique. There's situations where you can play a big man as a center, mm-hmm. but these are two true centers. The, right. The Bucks two are probably tr- the closest, you know, yeah. with, with the Lopez brothers both being able to stretch the floor. Um, I mean, Robin, sort of. He's, he's t- completely adequate at it and and, sure. and play defense. And I would even say, you know, they're better defenders than than Porzingis and, and Maxi, uh, and and better team rebounders too. But uh, D- that's about it. Different types of defenders, it. I would right, say. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, because the yeah. Bucks are playing a drop back scheme, and right. you just can't do that with yeah. with. Uh, and and Lopez, for the record, is it, the 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 Robin of the Lopez's is you know only taking one point six three points sure. a game, but uh, he limited can minutes. Do it. You know he's decent, not Kleba. Yeah. You know, and 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 certainly Porzingis is above, way above where Lopez is. But right, yeah, not okay, a legitimate. That's, that's, I, I think that's a that's a floor stretcher useful yeah. comparison. Um. Anyway, that was a yeah, that was a weird sidebar. Yeah. Yeah. But that's about it. No, it's okay. No, but you're right. Like that sort of versatility out of the five spot is dangerous for teams, and in particular, teams like the Rockets, which you know they're going to have trouble 
just because of the height. I mean, having a, a seven footer who can shoot threes over shorter guys is is a massive advantage. Right, right. We should talk about the standings. Um, although first, Kelly, just like what are what are your overall feelings of confidence for this Rockets team? You know, just in general, headed into both this game, you know, played on Friday. And and just in general, this let, let's focus in on like the the eight seeding game. So what do you expect? I will say that the Eric Gordon injury kind of threw me back a little bit. I was pretty optimistic of their of their chances of making noise in the bubble, but the Eric Gordon injury, I have to see how they adjust to that because that even though they had played a good part of the year without him, just him coming back healthy and being that X factor was was pretty exciting. But um, how do you expect they're going to adjust? Well, Daniel House will go back to starting lineup. There's going to be an increase for Austin Rivers, naturally, because he's the ball handler. He's a guard. He can score a little bit. There's going to be some drop-off, obviously, because Gordon and Rivers are two different players. Um, but it's going to have to be a job by committee. You're going to, you'll probably see more Ben McLemore, more Rivers, possibly more Jeff Green. I don't think he'll extend it past those guys because he doesn't trust Bruno. He doesn't trust Chris Clemens or Michael Frazier. Doesn't trust Luka Bamute after two years or Demar Carroll. So Bamute is with the team, right? Right. Okay, um, yeah, because I know he was he was he tested positive, but he has yeah, he has yeah, since he tef- been cleared and joined yeah, and, cleared, and is yep. available. Okay. But um, I just think that overall they're in a spot where they can't afford to lose any more ground because Dallas is right on their heels anyway, and you want to avoid the Clippers as much as possible in the first round. So I think there's a chance to move up some. I think they're a game and a half behind the behind Utah. They're so. one game. A, a game and a half. Okay, one game. I think they move past Utah. I think Houston ends up getting fifth Interesting. or fourth. I don't think they'll stay in, I don't think they'll stay in six. But they do have a pretty hard schedule. The first four games, you know, Dallas, Milwaukee, a hungry Blazers team and the I mean, Lakers. If, so if that would, seems like zero and four to me. If, oh, I don't think they're going four. I think they'll be. I think they'll be Portland. Um, I do think they could beat Dallas, but it's going to come down to like I said, it's going to come down to a huge game from Harden and a huge game from Russ. So I think they go two and two. So two and two, and then maybe three and one or four or no in the last four. Oh no, they play Philly. How are they going to move up then? They got They got to. They got to gain yeah, a game on, on the I Jazz. I think the way they'll move up is because the Jazz will lose a couple. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I'll I'll do standing stock real quick. It's it's probably. I, I think the Nuggets will probably stay put. They're in third. So the Jazz are forty one and twenty three. The Thunder are forty and twenty four. As are the Rockets. And then the Mavericks have this weird thing where they have played three more games than those teams. And they're oh. one and a half games behind the Rockets and the Thunder. So they have to win, you know, they have to make up two games and they would avoid any tiebreaker because they have this weird half game advantage. Or, Wait, or so an, how would it, that work? Is that going to be like a percentage thing? Because it, it is. It, it, yeah. It, in soccer, this is like a game in hand. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's weird, but essentially the Mavericks can move up if they gain two games. Right. On either the Rockets or the Thunder, and if I'm the Mavericks, I'm confident that you know it, it, that they can go six and two. Like I don't think there's any reason not to be confident about going, you know, playing that well about 
being that good when this restart happens. Just based off, you know, the makeup of the team, you know, just just the the weird nature of the restart, the fact that, you know, these guys don't know any better. I if I'm the Mavericks, I am looking to go probably six and two. And I think six and two puts you in a good chance to catch one of the two teams ahead of you. Right, Dave? Yeah, I think so. For sure. And especially with the head to head matchups, you know, they could make up a full game on the Rockets in one game. I mean, you know, it's not it's not right. Not that hard to imagine them being able to move up a couple of spots. Yeah. If they lose, if they lose Friday, Mm -hmm. I think that they are almost certainly going to be the seventh seed. But if they win, all of a sudden it's it's anybody's race, you know, yeah. Yeah. An interesting like subplot here for all these teams is that they're going to be very few just walkover games because not only are there going to be teams battling for seeding, they're going to be teams that uh, you know, like the Lakers, you know, they they want to try to also affect the seeding as well down the ladder, right? So, who if you're the Lakers and you think the Clippers are your biggest threat, who would you rather them play in the first round? You know, you want them to play the Rockets or you want them to play the Mavericks. You want them to play a team that has a, a high variance and a good shot at beating the Clippers. So there's going to be gamesmanship. Uh, I mean, all 22 teams, in in a sense, are going to be, you know, either working hard to win or, uh, you know, trying to affect the outcome of the game to to boost their seeding or affect their opponent's playoff matchup. So it, it is, uh, you know, for people that are into this – the strategery to use a word that doesn't exist, but if it you're into, now. yeah, if you're into the like strategizing uh, playoff matchups and things strategery. like that, yeah, it's going to be extremely interesting. Like, I, I mean, also think about the teams that, that may just decide, you know, game six, seven and eight don't really matter because they're getting ready for the playoffs. The Lakers could just say, all right, well we're running out, you know, J.R. Smith and, and Deion waiters are going to play this whole game. The Bucks might do something similar on the East. So, you know, we can look at the head-to-head matchups and we can say, okay, such and such has an advantage here. But the truth is, you got to look at that whole schedule. You got to really extrapolate it and say, wow, they're going to run into, you know, the Clippers and the Lakers late. That might just be two easy wins because those teams are both thinking about the playoffs. Kelly, do you or Rockets fans in general have a specific playoff opponent that, that, you know, they'd like the team to face because I think in Dallas, you know, I think Denver or Utah, not, not the Clippers. Nobody wants to play the Clippers. Um, I get the sense it's Denver. If, if I had to choose a, an opponent for, for the Mavericks, I would choose Denver. Um, I, I think there's some people who would argue Utah, which I, I think is reasonable. Uh, but, but I'm curious if, if the Rockets kind of feel the same way, obviously different team, different styles, but is there a specific Western conference opponent that maybe people are, are gunning for? Well, it feels like it feels like the basketball gods have already predetermined a Utah Houston, you know, first round series. But <laughs> I it do, does I, this be just, to break the, just to break the narrative that Rudy Gobert gets played off the court. <laughs> Would it right. be the third year in a row? Yeah. In the first round, or one of them was a second round, right? One of them was a second round. Yeah, but still, three years in a row would would that would be a lot? Yeah, and the only well, this time it, would, it might be different because. If if Eric Gordon can't go, I mean, that means that Donovan Donovan can breathe again because the last two series he's had him in in jail. Yeah, but um, well, I Gordon think, should be back by the first round, yeah, right? But it, two week injury. Yeah, yeah he, he, he should. Uh, 
it, but, but it's but, an ankle, but it's though. Tricky, it's tricky because that's the same ankle that he had problems with um, as a Clipper. And Gordon is always someone who's taken a bit longer to recover. So while they may have a two-week timetable, I don't know if he'll be ready in two weeks, if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, no, that would that – would. But um, as far as the teams go that they would see, I, I would say Denver and Utah. I might throw in Oklahoma City because without without Schroeder right now, it's hard to say you know, how effective they'll be in crunch time lineups. But I do think – Denver, Utah are the preferred, the preferred looks for the first round. Well, for this podcast, let's let's ask. Let's say there's a scenario where the Rockets come climb to four and the Mavericks come. I think to, that goes five. Seven. I think that goes seven. I really do. Yeah, I, like it's a coin toss. Honestly, like, one like of those one of those teams is dropping one fifty in regulation. Yeah, right. <laughs> and my like, money's like, on Dallas. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make you. I think I think you're implying this, but I'm gonna make you say it since it's a Mavericks podcast. You would. I, you would rather the Rockets face Denver, Utah, or Oklahoma City than Dallas in the first round, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think the Rockets want to face. I don't. I don't, know if, I don't know if they'll say it, but if I'm the Rockets, I do not want to see Dallas first round. It's yeah. too. It's too much variance. Like, I you, don't think anybody wants to see the Mavericks. Period. They're a yeah. good team. Like, and they're. Da- I think the biggest thing about them being a dark horse is that they're dangerous. They have. They really. They're really playing with with house money at this point because they're a seven seed. Right now, if they stay in seven, and they play the, the Clippers first round, I could see that going six. I could see that going seven. Like it's not a guarantee, because this is not a regular. This is not like any normal season in in history where you could say, okay, the Dallas Mavericks are a seven seed. They're probably losing five or six. No, this is a whole new world. And right. I, I really, I really think that Dallas, with Luca, being that fact that no one's seen in the playoff series before, I do think that's going to be hard to stop. So. It's it's something we've talked about in this podcast, of course, but like Ma- the Mavericks have the sixth best net rating in the league. Right. It does matter. It They've does obviously matter. struggled to take that dominance, you know, cast across their entire season and turn it into a similar record. And certainly that record implies, you know, that that inability to get wins when they need to. Uh, does ma- has made them the underdog as you know it headed into any first round series if they're the seventh seed if they're the sixth seed that that is by definition the underdog but everything about this is weird and when you introduce weirdness you introduce a beneficial environment for the underdog there's no home court advantage there's this weird restart there was time for young legs to get fresher once again no travel no travel exactly there's there's all these weird dynamics um i i i yeah like i i'm trying to be a balanced reporter of the team i am covering you know but i also feel like ethan strauss and you know making nba previews before the 2014-15 season when he predicted the warriors were going to win the title and nobody else did and i'm not actually predicting that for this season but it is everything i see about this team as it stands right now really does look like a team that is that is poised to do something like like be great i have them beating the clippers in round one if they if they play them (laughs) i i i don't think they're gonna wind up playing that's like my dirty little secret for that prediction yeah um but i do think that what dallas does should scare the hell out of the Clippers. 
I back off that only because in every matchup we've seen of them this season, the Clippers just just uh, just punked them. Yeah, just just, well, just had just had dad strength and and just and the, but, I think the biggest thing was that they bother Luca mm-hmm. like few <clears throat> teams can bother Lu- Luca. Luca's healthy. Porzingis is it looks like he's back like to full strength. Yeah, um, you know he was playing like a top fifteen, top twenty player when the hiatus hit. If he's playing at that level where he's more of a one B to uh, Luca's one A, uh, that's trouble for everybody. Kelly, what's, what's what's the prediction for for the game, Kelly? I want I want a what's prediction, good? but I also want just a I also want like a weird prediction, not like not like a score prediction. Mm. Just like tell me something random and bizarre that will happen. Robert Covington is going to foul out of that game. <laughs> <laughs> I think James Harden's going to hit ten threes. Well, see, look, look about that. I do think one of the biggest things for me during these games is going to see how they've adjusted. So far, you know, scrimmage sample size, but they have talked a lot about opening up the playbook a little bit, you know, getting hard in some easier looks as opposed to launching 15 stepbacks, you know, per game. I do think we'll see that number of threes come down. I think right now he's averaging, what, 13 a game? Yeah. I do think we'll see closer to 9, 8, 10 maybe, but I do think that we'll see a different James Harden in, in the ball because now it's understood that with Russ and with the kind of the plays that you can run in small ball, there are avenues for easier, easier you know, baskets, and you don't have to labor twenty seconds in the shot clock to get a you know a good step back look. You can run some stuff. Mike loves running some stuff like this. That's who Mike D'Antoni is. He is an offensive savant. He can. Draw a playbook in his sleep. He can have. He has one of the best OTAs, you know, in NBA history. Um, I do think we'll see a different kind of Houston offense in the bubble. So, um, for the game, I would give a score of one twenty five, one eighteen. That's what Rockets winning. I don't know. <laughs> that's gonna be the, that's, uh, that's gonna be the score. That's, that's that's an elite prediction. I love um, it. Uh, methodology to just give a score but not the winner doubles y'all, your chance of being right. right. Y'all pick. That was that was incredible. I, you know what? I'm taking I'm taking Mavs over the Rockets. I think it's gonna be pretty close, potentially even overtime. I think uh, Mavs one thirty, Rockets one twenty six. I think it's gonna be a shootout. Hey, I have a question for Dave, though. Um, Uh-oh. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's, I wanted to ask you, with you being like a film guy and everything, how do you evaluate a switch-heavy defense in regards to being able to mask some players' deficiencies against a team like Dallas who's such offensively gifted? Um, You mean, so like how do the Rockets cover up for the guys that are bad, basically? Like, so, okay, for example, I'm going to give you this. So, they'll have some lineups out there where Jeff Green is out there, Ben McLemore out there, you know, people like that. How do you, mm-hmm. how would you as a defense, as a, yeah, as a defensive team kind of mask for, because, so I talked to Coach Turner about this because he's a guy that's in charge of, you know, putting in the defense. And he told me that previously, like, with Capella, their their, their style was to shrink the floor. 
which is right. to channel everything to the middle and mm-hmm. force turnover and stuff like that. But now without you don't have Clint, that option. They, they have they have that option. So he wants them to just be scrappy, which is kind of cause chaos, force turnover, Co- stuff like coach that. speak. Yeah. It's just coach speak for fight hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm actually kind of out on switching, right? Like I think a- switching is a last resort, not a defensive, not a true like. This is how we're going to defend every single possession. Because what you do then is you're going to give up matchups because teams like Dallas and Luka Doncic is fantastic at this. So is LeBron. They're going to just hunt the matchup that they want, and they're going to get it. If you're if your defensive strategy is all right, we're just going to switch it, no big deal. Then then they're just going to eat. They're going to do whatever they want. So I think the the preference for Houston should be go over get over those screens on Luka, or go under. If his shot's not falling early, go under. Dare him to shoot. Go under. But don't give up, right? But don't give up other stuff, right? So I think they've got to stay attached, force him to drive, and then hope that that P.J. Tucker and Covington are enough help to disrupt the shot and the passing lane. So I'm out on switching in general, but I think especially for Houston because they are covering up for, you know, guys like Harden and and Russ that are not good perimeter defenders, uh, you know, you got to be careful with that. I'd rather just get those guys to stay engaged and, and compete hard and then hope that the rest of your guys can make plays. I will say this year, uh, well, as far as, like, synergy and stuff like that is concerned, they've actually been pretty good in isolation defense where if someone tries to, to target them and go at them, they've been pretty stout. Um, this is the stat site synergy, not the – yeah, and yeah, the, not the and workplace buzzword synergy. <laughs> sure, in that regard. Just so to clarify, I'll, I wonder what well, goes isolation in- offense in and of itself is you know is less than ideal, right? Right. So right. you know that those, those numbers may be a little bit fuzzy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Syner- synergy is famously or famous yeah. for being fuzzy. not not being trustworthy when it when it comes to the defense. Yeah. So let me give my prediction and my weird one. And then we can close this out. Oh, oh, my weird one is yeah. Harden's oh, gonna you hit do 10 have a threes. weird one. Harden's going to hit ten threes. Eh, it's not that weird. Yeah, I think he's just going to be able to walk right into him. <laughs> hmm. Fair enough. I think this is a Delon Wright twenty point game. Woo! He he's looked. I think he's looked good in the scrimmages, and he has a weird quirky game. But against a you know switch you know we just we're just talking about the switches i think i think that is good for him i think that he is a a quirky player who will react well to the type of defense that houston is playing so uh combining that with with uh with a run of form he's in um as a as a soccer person would say i think uh i think that's going to happen and as for a score prediction um it's a silly thing i hate doing these but uh, no, as long it's as fun. long as as long as we're putting it in the context of it doesn't matter and yeah. you can't dunk on me if I'm wrong, let's say 135, 122 Mavericks win. So, Ooh, yeah. Oh, awesome. all right. I think, I, I'm with honestly, you. Honestly, it's before the before the Gordon injury. I would not have said that, but I but I think just you know the Rockets are now adjusting to a to a new rotation. You know, a, a slightly modified rotation than what they had been playing with in the in the preseason. I think it just all adds up to a a comfortable Mavericks win. Not not a not a blowout. You know, maybe maybe it's one of those games that hangs around eight to ten points the entire way. But I think it's going to be a comfortable Mavericks win. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's 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 what I'm predicting. But I, I'm really just glad to have it back. I, I think we all are. All right. It's Friday night. It's eight p.m. Central. Double check that. Yeah. 
It's eight central. Eight central. Well, okay. we're we're all going to be watching. It's going to be great. We all are. The world is. Who is not going to be watching Mavericks Rockets on Friday night? There's nothing else to do. <laughs> Dave Kelly, thank you both for uh, for being here. Anytime. Um, Dave more than Kelly, just because Dave has to endure this on a weekly basis. <laughs> but Kelly, you did great. You uh, you tolerated uh, you tolerated this well. So we're gonna have to have you back when um when the when the Mavericks get the four seed and and, and the Rockets get the five. So we'll uh, we'll do a full on preview pod then. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. And um, listeners, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. It's a wrap.